Hi, and welcome to episode 147 of No Crying in Baseball, the we're going to handle this in-house episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, I trust you to handle anything in-house. Your house uh-huh. is a safe place to be. Totally trust <laughs> your judgment on that. God bless you. <laughs> hey, I want to give a little bit of a shout out to Michael Barra of Baseball World. We had a blast talking to him. And if anybody is listening to this and has not heard our appearance on Michael Barra's Baseball World, check it out. It was so much fun. He's really a nice guy. It really was fun. It was like, you know, he might be a podcast boyfriend, you know, somebody we want to have a beer with and hang out with because we really did. We got along great. We had a fun time. And I am totally listening to Baseball World from here on out. And you should, too. Hey, I talked to my kid who is at a distance now up in the state of New York. And I said, what's the one thing you need me to talk about on the podcast? And Camden said, just point out that the O's are at 500. And that's better than both the Red Sox and the Nationals. So there, (laughs) I've done it. All right. All right. I've done it. Appreciated. Appreciated. I think that's totally fine. I mean, the the O's did kind of beat up on the Nationals in a big way. Yeah, they sure did. On today's show, the Oakland A's, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We don't deserve Sean Doolittle. Coronavirus news. We have the cards outbreak number two and Cleveland models swift action. Ohio pitchers. There must be something in the river water. We've got an opt out of the week. Our boyfriends this week include Joey Gallo, Fernando Tatis Jr. and lots of Knicks. And we have a special interview today that we're very excited about with Clive Shu, who is the CPBL English language broadcaster. First, the A's. All right. The good. The A's, the Oakland A's are on a nine-game winning streak. They are playing some kick-ass baseball, and I'm very excited. My 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 two mats, my current and my previous boyfriend on the A's are doing very well. There's a lot of fun people to watch. The games are exciting. And the games are also exciting for bad and ugly reasons. So the bad reason of the, the weekend is there was a brawl. So um, Ramon Laureano, who now that I'm learning more about, I think might be lining up to be one of our boyfriends for next year, <laughs> was hit three times over the weekend by the Astros. Every time was by a rookie pitcher. So this is not someone who has like a longstanding beef with Laureano. This is a new kid who probably did it by accident. But he did. it would happen twice in one game on Sunday. And when it happened the second time, Laureano you know, mimed holding a baseball and like was showing like kind of waving his hand at the pitcher. Like, this is how you throw the damn pitch. Right. And, you know, he got sort of escorted to first base and he was hot, but he was kind of like hanging, you know, hanging in there, but he's right in front of the Astros dugout. And there are some things happening back and forth, which of course we can all now hear because there's no fan noise. We all know Mm -hmm. what's going on. My boyfriend um, from last year, Matt Olson was on deck and he said he heard things being said that weren't right. They weren't right. We learned later, um, Laureano did did an interview with ESPN, I think today, I just read about it, where he said that apparently the the hitting coach for the Astros, um, Alex Cintron, said some things in Spanish about Laureano's mother. Yeah, you know, Dusty said that. I saw I saw a quote from Dusty just now saying that he has worked with Hispanic players long enough that he knows that you do not insult somebody's mother and expect to get away with it. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And, you know, he kind of gave like the come at me, bro, sort of thing, mm-hmm. which we are you know, getting kind of used to. And so Loriano charged the dugout from first base and he was actually tackled by a friend of his. The Astros catcher, Dustin Garneau, used to be on the A's with Loriano. So they're huh. friends. And so he tackled him basically to protect him. And Loriano said when he was down, he was like, are you OK, man? I was like, yeah, I'm OK. Thanks. It was clear that it was a don't make this worse. But the visual of the tackle cleared the benches, right? Well, so, the, the, also the visual that's key is Cintron, after egging him on, backing the fuck up and letting everybody else go after him. And oh, I yeah. think that's what like everybody's jumping on is you don't egg somebody on and then back up and let everybody else fight for you. Oh, yeah. He did a major duck and cover for sure. He's, he lit the match and he ducked and he covered. And Loriano and the A's catcher were both ejected. That Apparently, the A's catcher like got in there early and got in the middle mm-hmm. of it. Um, Dusty had already been ejected the previous inning for arguing like balls and strikes. So interesting fun facts. Loriano was on the 2017 Astros, right? Mike Fears, Fires, sorry, who I, I think he I think he, he went to the A's during that season. 
Mike Fires, who blew the whistle on the Astros, of course, is in Oakland. Right. So there's potential for bad blood to be there. But again, the pitchers were rookies. So unless they were trying to like endear themselves to their team, there was no reason to do this on purpose. So lots of talk about what the, um, what the punishments are going to be here. Um, especially for Citroen because he's a coach and as everyone keeps saying should know better, but clearly he doesn't, he's got a history of doing crappy things. Yeah. And, and to yell from the Astros dugout, like the Astros don't need more people hating them at this point. And you knew going into the season that things were going to be rough, no matter who's playing the Astros and for him to egg this on is just insane. And this is, you know, we're, we're in COVID. They're not supposed to be on the field. And that's what I don't understand is everybody going out on the field who's not supposed to be there should and, theoretically get punished, right? And they were, they were, in fact, pushing and shoving. It wasn't yeah. just one of those, like, bench-clearing conversations. There was a lot of physical contact. So there's going to be something going on here. Um but people are drawing parallels with Joe Kelly. Like, okay, this is what you just did. This is where you put the bar. Now what? Yeah. So we're waiting. I mean, I don't know. You all might know more uh, by the time this podcast airs than we do right now when we're recording. It's Monday night. And theoretically, Joe Kelly's hearing was supposed to be today, his appeal of his eight-game suspension. He is actually, ironically, on the IL for some sort of uh, shoulders, yeah, so- shoulder inflama- inflammation. So I don't know how that correlates with suspension time. Um, But you guys might know how much he actually got suspended because if he gets eight games for not actually hitting somebody and not like nobody touched each other, right? He was, he threw behind or he threw toward the head of both Bregman and Correa. So what's going to happen to all these guys who are on the field, like so many of them on the field touching each other? It's like in the Olympics. (laughs) It's like in the Olympics when you don't want to give somebody a 10, Early on, because mm-hmm. doesn't leave room for anything else. Right. You know, they're they're given Joe Kelly right. an, an eight game suspension, which is the thing that we won't know for sure. But that was right. the initial, that was the initial, you know, consequence. What kind of room does that leave for this crap that's going on? Yeah, well, I've seen a lot of stuff like uh, 2020 ticket should be Loriano Kelly. Like, there's a lot of people going behind that. You know, the, <laughs> there are new American heroes, and actually, one very very quick person got on Wikipedia so that. Uh, Loriano's Wikipedia page, at least briefly today, said that he was noted for being one of America's favorite players, along with the Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher, Joe Kelly. (laughs) So so I I honestly, you know, I mean, for a long time on this show, we've talked about our feelings about fighting, which is that it's not a good thing. I mean, you, you don't solve anything by fighting. It's stupid. Hitting people with pitches, also stupid, also unnecessarily dangerous. So I do not condone it, despite the fact that I, I too understand why people are, you know, cheering on Loriano and Kelly. And and for Loriano, I think he has less culpability, definitely, than Kelly, because he got hit and then he got insulted. And maybe he had a little bit of a temper, but there were a lot of other people pushing things around. But overall, like, damn it, this is this really fucks up the whole COVID thing. So I got to go from um, the the good, the bad to the absolutely ugly, also on the Oakland A's. Earlier this past week, bench coach Ryan Christensen basically gave a Nazi salute to players coming back to the dugout. So this was after the game. And honest to God, he could have explained this away if he stopped. He was down (laughs) in the dugout. Guys were coming down the steps and he put his arm up in a Nazi salute to like start doing the elbow bump things, but it was definitely a straight arm thing. It could have mm-hmm. been, I was just reaching up, but hold, hold my beer. Right. So the guys are coming down. Liam Hendricks fixed it. You know, he bent the, you know, he bent um, Christensen's arm into the elbow bump position. Right. And so that was like, okay, we could have gotten past it with it. Just leave that alone and just do that. But no, he turns around and throws another Heil Hitler you know, right. to the back of the dugout. Like, okay, that the second time you cannot say, oops, but he tried. He apologized. Well, I was adapting our elbow bump. Mm-hmm. I'm adapting it into a racist, you know, symbol. I don't think so. And as of yet, there has, have been no repercussions. He had an apology, which I have in quotes. And the Oakland A's said, you know, we don't condone this, but they also haven't really done anything about it yet either. So I think the ugly has been gotten away with. 
Yeah. And I think his statement and the, and the A's statement sort of like passed each other in the night. You know, the A's statement seemed to sort of acknowledge more the content of it and that they didn't put up with anything like that. And his was more like, oops, I didn't mean it. It really was an accident. He was like, oh, come on. You know, I yeah. didn't mean it. Oh, come on. Right. Yeah. Go figure. He deserves uh, the the criticism, I guess, that he's been getting online. But somebody who does not deserve criticism on Twitter, which can be such a nasty place sometimes, is our beloved Sean Doolittle. And I'm sure y'all know what happened with him removing his Twitter account. And that just makes Twitter a worse place for the rest of us because he just added so much important content, so much important connection between sports and the other issues that are really important. And Sean Doolittle's the guy that said that sports is a reward for a functioning society. So he'd been out there, you know, actively questioning what's going on now. And he's been having issues on the mound. It's just, it's been a rough year for him. He's had uh, four outings and hasn't got more than two outs in any of those appearances. And what happened was, I think it was, was it Saturday night against the, the O's? The Nats went into the eighth inning actually ahead. So he was going onto the mound in a more comfortable position for a reliever, right? They were three runs ahead and he led up back-to-back home runs. And then they pulled him. And I think it was, um, oh shoot, what's his name? The the kid from the Astros, uh, the other closer who won the World Series. Um, well, well, Harris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he gave up the last one, I'm pretty sure. I thought it was Hudson. Little- it was Hudson. Oh, no, Hudson it. came out. One of those, one of those ages. No, yeah, Daniel, Hudson Daniel Hudson came out. Yeah. 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 And he gave up the last, the last run that put the, so Doolittle didn't, I don't think he got the loss, but he did lose two of the runs. Anyway, he got a beating on Twitter because of it, which is just disgusting because. And our people, our Nats fans turned on him. And that's what really ticks me off. Like, come on. Yeah. He, he brought you a freaking world series and you're going to turn on him for having a bad streak. Yep. And he feels awful about it. And this is like, I've been talking about this ever since I saw the movie Sugar, is that insight to who feels the worst about when you're doing badly is the pitcher themselves. And wouldn't it be cool, and I posted this on our account, wouldn't it be cool is if, if when somebody who you really cared about did badly that you all got behind them and showed them that you believed in them. You know, it's like with your kids, you know, when, when your kid's doing poorly, if you keep bashing on your kid, it's just crushing. Whereas if you get behind them and try to help them and support them that, you know, looking at it as a mom. Right. So I think we should get behind Sean Doolittle. He said that he feels terrible. He said he feels like he's letting the team down like that. When I saw that quote by him, I just wanted to cry. And his wife, Erin, Erin, I'm pronouncing that right, right? It's Erin. Yeah. screw that up. Okay. Uh, she said, nobody's more frustrated at Sean right now than Sean. He's actually hitting free agency after this year, which I didn't realize uh, with the whole like whether to play or not to play. So I'm sure that's weighing on him as well. That's going to be super hard. I want to give a a huge shout out to the account of Seize the Means of Run Production, which is one of the hosts of Resting Pitch Face, which is another wonderful local podcast by women who love the Nats. And she found one of the guys who said some really horrible things. I didn't realize how bad it was, but it was like homophobic and death threats. Like that's the extent that it got to. So she found this guy who apparently uh, wants to go into sports industry. He's a student at West Virginia University. um, Yeah, WV, I don't know why I put A. I think it's a university. And his name is Luke Binstead. And so if you want to find out about him and how to please protect the future of sports media against voices like that go to seize the means of run, run productions twitter page and i put the that we can put the link in the show notes but sure it's will. you know a big trigger warning because don't don't read the quotes unless you want to see the really awful stuff but we got to stop this the cardinals are stopped in their tracks right now oh my god yeah they were sort of riding out their covid-19 outbreak and then Somebody else tested positive after a couple of days of negative testing because, you know, incubation period, my friends. So they're up to 10 players and seven staff who have tested positive over the two weeks, two weeks of the season, I guess, so far, they've played five games. Oh, man. They will Is that have worse m- than the Marlins. 
Oh yeah, the Marlins are in yeah. first place. They've played like ten yeah. games so far, <laughs> so you know their their winning percentage is is off the charts. Um, they will have missed thirteen games, I think, going through this weekend because all of this week's and this weekend's games are canceled. The players who are healthy are being quarantined at home, and they only leave their houses to go to the drive-through testing at the ballpark. So they're doing that right for sure. The problem was, you know, they had been quarantining in Milwaukee and then everyone was testing negative. So they all finally got on a plane and went back. And once they arrived, one of those guys who was on a plane with everybody else tested positive. So that's sort of like reset the quarantine for everybody. They thought they were fine, but they were not yet fine. And people are saying, well, how come they can't, they were saying about the Marlins too. Why can't they just fill up the roster with the guys who are at the alternate site right now? Well, they've got basically a 40-man roster. There's 60 guys available, but you have to make roster moves in order to bring up the other ones, and there just aren't enough players at the alternate site, number one, to fill out the team, but also they want to protect these guys. They don't want to bring them to their ballpark from their testing, from their alternate training site and risk getting them sick too. So they are being super careful right now, which I appreciate. You know, a little too late for some things, but... I. Again, with social media being the worst, a lot of people are blaming individual cardinals for bad judgment and doing stupid things. And we really don't know. There were a lot of rumors about what happened, most of which were proven untrue. But people want believe what they want to believe. And, you know, the cards are clearly fucking with people's baseball funds. So therefore, they must be the devil when really it's, it was going to happen. And it was just it mm-hmm. just happened to the cards. So. There's a lot of talk about how to behave when you're on the road, right? It's a little harder to be specific when you're on the road. So Cleveland was in Chicago and um, their, their pitchers are amazing. I'm talking about that in just a minute. But um, Plesak pitched six scoreless innings versus the wow. White Sox. Um, I think it was Friday night, Saturday. I can't remember which night it was. He was amazing. I watched the game. He was shut down, kick ass. He was great. Apparently, he grew up not too far outside of Chicago, which meant he had friends there. So he went out after the game with oh, his no. friends. Yeah. So here's the th- so Cleveland baseball team did exactly the right thing. They're not saying how they found out, like if someone was, you know, a tattletale or what happened, but he never came back in contact with his teammates. They got him a car service back to Cleveland. It's like a five, six hour drive from Chicago to Cleveland. So he did not come into contact with the team. He and the driver of the car service both had to do like rapid tests before. So they protected the driver too. And he's going to self quarantine for several days in Cleveland before, you know, then he has to pass whatever he's got to pass to make sure he can come back to the game. They may assess if there's going to be more consequences. The team, the players had a meeting the next morning to talk about what had happened and their feelings about it. And honestly, when I was watching the games this weekend, I watched all of them because I love, I'm, I'm loving watching the White Sox right now too. And, you oh, know, yeah. I'm, I am a Cleveland girl. So this is pretty exciting to watch these teams play each other. The, the commentators were saying that Cleveland actually has a very good reputation before for how they behave on the road. They really do maintain a pretty secure bubble. And this one thing happened and they jumped on it. So like Shane Bieber Another pitcher, their ace pitcher said, we love Zach. We support him, but he screwed up. We're going to handle this in-house. And Chris Antonetti, who we talked about before, um, who, you know, is in the front office staff, said, we're all compliance officers on this baseball team. You know, they do have, like, that person assigned to this job who you're supposed to check in with if you need to, like, leave the hotel for whatever reason. But he said, no, no, we're, we're policing each other. We're policing ourselves, too. We are all compliance officers. Um, Mike Clevenger jumped in on that, too, and said, we're going to handle this. We got this. It's about us. It's not about the front office. We've got this. And the apology that um, Plesak posted said, I need to earn back the trust of my team. Good. So, he, so he's feeling that, oh, my God. Yeah, I absolutely get it on every single level. But the biggest one for me right now is I need my team to trust me again. And we had this great outing and then yikes. So they had this really good road bubble. And, and you know, this is the second time this has happened. If you remember back in July, um, Fran Mil Reyes was a, you know, at a 4th of July party without a mask. They found out about it on social media. So they had him quarantined. They acted absolutely appropriately. It's like, you can't be with the team right now until we know you're fine. And then you're back. So all the weirdness of why are your masks down below your nose? Why are you high-fiving or whatever? That aside, 
they do have a lot of good protocols happening. And that's kind of a good model to follow when you're on the road. So yay for that. I just want to add a couple things about Ohio pitching super fast because I am like totally enamored of both Cleveland and Cincinnati pitching right now. So get this. So Trevor Bauer used to be on Cleveland's team. Now is on the Reds has the lowest ERA in MLB and Plesak and Bieber are both in the top 10, right? So two of the Cleveland players, the lowest average against lowest batting average against belongs to Trevor Bauer. Plesak gray of the Reds and Bieber of Cleveland are also in the top 10. Look at Ohio go for you. Bauer is one of two starting pitchers with complete game shutouts. I do believe those were probably seven inning doubleheader games. So they were shorter, but they still count. They still count. There's still only two of them that have done it. And of the six starting pitchers so far that have three wins, Sonny Gray and um, Shane Bieber are two of them. Bieber has the most innings pitched in the whole league and Gray is third. So between the Cuyahoga River and the Ohio River, there's something <laughs> in the river water that is working for Ohio pitching. And I am here for it. I just think it's hilarious and fun and wonderful and exciting. And I love watching them go. That's fantastic. I, you know, Bauer definitely has his critics out there who are insinuating all sorts of stuff about his spin rate because apparently he made some sort of statement that this, whether, I mean, he has some crazy, incredible spin rate that's theoretically he said wouldn't be possible, but now it is. Oh, yeah. So. He was all over Garrett Cole for that when, when mm -hmm. Cole was with the Astros about his spin rate. Like, that's impossible without a substance. And so now his is quite up there right now, but it also could be the ball. We don't know. The questions oh. are many. They are many. We have an opt out of the week last minute. I didn't think we were going to have one this week, or at least nothing that I that I had noticed until shortly before recording when I saw Marcus Stroman's statement on Twitter that he is opting out. And it seems like he's been considering it for a while. It, I think there is some health issue somewhere in the family, and it's unclear. Of course, they don't have to divulge private information like that, but he said that with all of the unknowns and uncertainty due to the pandemic, this is the best decision for me and my family. And power to him. I think that he has the complete right to do that. I don't like all the takes. Maybe it's the timing. I don't like the takes that immediately go to, oh, the Mets got screwed on their deal with him because they only got 11 games out of him. And this is a one-year deal. And yeah, they could put in a qualifying offer for next year, but he might not be pitching for the Mets again. And they traded away, I don't know, draft picks or something like that. I, I just don't like that being the first focus. I think the first focus has to be power to him. This is a difficult decision. It's a screwed up season. I mean, there's so much going on to begin with. He needs to do what's best for him and the family, regardless of what it does to his contract or ability for finding a home for next year or things like that. And along those lines, you know, with the Cardinals, people whose first take is, oh my God, how are they going to make up all those games in so few days are also completely missing right. the point. Yeah. Um, one tiny little bit of good news this week that was just fun to watch. So um, the Rangers called up Anderson Tejada and in his major league debut, he had, he was the first Ranger ever to get a hit an RBI and a stolen base all in their, de in their debut. And he oh. actually had two hits, one of which was a two run home run. He had three RBIs and a stolen base. He's the ninth player since 1901 to Homer and steal a base in his debut. And he was having a great time. And he, yeah, it was, it was a thing of beauty. And so hooray, hooray for that, Anderson Tejada. That sounds like future baseball boyfriend material, right? Absolutely. One quick note, we're two weeks in, which means the rosters are going down to 28 players. We had said they'd be 28 and then they would go down to 26. The league has decided to leave it at 28 because, you know, we need the cannon fodder. Yes. So you oh may you may be seeing there's a lot of people that you're thinking, hey, why are they being optioned down? Because they're important. They're important. That's because they only had 30 guys and they had to, to send two guys down to the alternate training site. They can still be on the 40-man roster and come back up. But they had to make room. They had to, they had to make hard decisions. So for, for me, two of my boyfriends, um, Miguel Andujar of, of the um, the Yankees and Josh Naylor of the Padres both got you know sent down, even though down is just a few miles across town and they could be back any second now if somebody gets hurt or, or whatnot. But you may see a lot of, oh my God, they let this person go. Don't panic. Everybody had to option two players down. 
It's such a weird shift in thinking, though, because you don't hear about being sent down to the miners. You hear about being moved over to the alternative site. Yes. It's just like a weird, yep. it's new terminology next this year. Yep. We're just in a brave new world now. But our baseball boyfriends are surviving. So you've heard us throw this word boyfriend around a lot. And uh, what that's what we do. We pick guys in normal years. We each pick a guy per team, which we did do in this offseason. And it's it's a guy who not only has good skills, and Patty's better at that than I am, but also has something special about them. You want to have a beer with them. There's something cool about them. And we haven't checked in on our guys for a while. I honestly feel kind of weird about it just because the se season is so messed up. And I, I just don't know whether to cheer more for my guys who are opting out or my guys who are doing good things. But I looked back at my notes on Joey Gallo, and when I profiled him, I did a really crappy job. So I don't even want to put the link to that in because I missed the part where he had broken his handmate bone last year. And Patty, you had done such an amazing job of talking about the, the magic of the handmate bone. And when the handmate gets surgery, somehow it seems like players bounce back with superpowers. Is that right? They do. It's happened quite a few times. So you talked about Joey Gallo's handmate, but I did not when I profiled him. And I also didn't realize that, and this is terrible because I was at the All-Star game, that he hit the winning run of the All-Star game in 2019. But he's just totally cranking this season. I totally uh, bailed out on my research and didn't write, didn't write down any exact figures. So I'm going to lie with exact figures yeah, and just say I love it. that I know he's leading the Rangers in pretty much anything. So I'm just going to say yay. I picked Joey Gallo for my Rangers boyfriend, and we have one on each team. And uh, yeah, that's that's my guy so far for this week. But, <laughs> you, ha but you have several. I have a couple of things happening here. So um, I have a collection of, of players that I have uh, boyfriends that I've referred to as the Knicks. So Nick Solak is my Rangers boyfriend. Look at all the, all the shout outs to the Rangers this week. It's about time, right? Yeah. So Nick Solak, you may have seen this. He hit what should have been a home run off of Joe Adele, who just got his call up with the Angels. But what actually happened was it was changed to a four base error because his what? hit bounced into Adele's glove and out of his glove and over the wall. Oh, I saw that. I saw that replay. That's heart-wrenching. So initially, guy. initially they called it a home run. And then several innings later, the official score came back and said, no, it's an error because if it had happened anywhere else on the field and bounced out of his glove, it would have hit the ground and would have been an error. So it's a four base error. Um, one of the things that they said was, <laughs> so, so they're, they're playing at the Rangers new home, right? Like they're their brand new stadium. And part of the roof apparently is white or has like translucent windows. So when the ball is up over your head against it, it's really hard to see. And that's what Adele was saying. He's like, I, I, you know, couldn't find it, couldn't see it. I, I just couldn't see it. But the poor guy just got his call up and then has this blunder, right? Which led all of the Rangers fans to remember, yes, I've got a call back to Jose Canseco. I get to say Jose Canseco in this episode in 1993, playing the Cleveland baseball team. A home run ball bounces off of Jose Canseco's head and out of the park. And that that's considered classic. a home run. So poor Joe Adele is going to be in the Conseco category of this might be one of the things you are remembered for. Hopefully, you know, Joe Adele can, you know, come to stardom and find other things to drown this out with. But boy, how about that for an auspicious start? Um, my former boyfriend from the Tigers Nick Castellanos, who has since, I think, went to the Cubs in between, is now on the Reds, is kind of a hero right now. And he's like hitting up a storm. He's like, he's really coming to his own. He's playing beautifully. And he's also one of the poster boys for this style that I've seen that reminds me of the 70s, where all of these guys are starting to like unbutton their jerseys just a little bit and not wear like another layer underneath. And okay, it looks I'm okay with that. Just a little disco, just a little something. And <laughs> Nick Castellanos kind of pulls it off very well. So I just want to give him like a little, little shout out for that, you know, his bat largely, but also his style. My current Reds boyfriend, Nick Senzel, is out with an injury because a million people are out with injuries. Pitchers are dropping like flies. And then also position players are straining things. If I see the phrase groin strain 
anymore. It's killing me dead. Okay. So people are pulling things and twisting things and whatnot. And the, the injured list is huge. And Nick Senzel is on it. Nick Marcakis is not a boyfriend, but I just wanted to include him here because he had opted out. He opted back in and in his first game back, he had a walk-off home run. So that was just kind of cool. Yeah. Although I still feel really weird about the opting back in part. You know, it's a little bit of ouch. But you know what? Uh, He also falls into the, he's nice to look at when he hits a home run. So, you know, like, you know, my, my heart and my brain have different opinions of this. Well, maybe we can coax him into that, like unbutton the first button camp of things. I like that trend. Like if that's a new style move, I'm I'm good with that. You know, who has the most style? who is, is is definitely the future face of MLB, if not right now, is Fernando Tatis Jr. Oh, he's having this, a moment, man. Whew. This man is amazing. And right before we started recording, the fantastic ESPN article came out, and I only got like halfway through it, but we will link to it. It's just beautiful. It sort of catches captures his spirit, his enthusiasm, his family history, you know, the, the stuff from his dad who had hit to the only person to hit two grand slams in an inning. Yes, an <laughs> inning. An inning. Like so to to come into uh major league baseball with that kind of legacy to live up to and to do what Tatis Jr. is doing and with the most style. I mean, his hair, his hair deserves a whole episode all to itself. And his <laughs> swag and his dance moves. And he is Number one in OPS, number one in slugging, tied for first with uh, Aaron. And this is, of course, at the time of recording, Monday evening, tied for first with Aaron Judge in home runs with eight, tied with Charlie Blackman as second for RBIs, tied in first place with Freddie Freewin and Whit Merrifield, two ex-boyfriends of yours, for runs scored, four-way tie for second in stolen bases, number one in total bases and number one war for 2020. And the man is 21 years old and having a fucking blast, just like exuding happiness and joy wherever he goes. Actually, the the, um, title of the SPN article is perfect. It's bringing joy back to baseball. Fernando Tassis Jr. is exactly what baseball needs. He is the answer to pretty much every problem out there, you know, as far as keeping it entertaining, relating to various cultures, relating to youth. He is totally the guy and he's already being, you know, identified as the face of the franchise for the Padres. Totally jealous of you Padres folks, but didn't we identify him as a mask hero too? Like he oh, was like yeah. really good on public health too. So like he's got all the boyfriend things covered. So he might be our poster boy this year. I don't know. If Sean Doolittle is our patron saint and I think Tatis Jr. is our boyfriend poster boy this year. Yeah, I can't believe I let him go. I to- I mean, I kept, we're allowed to keep one boyfriend from year to year. So Patty and I pick new boyfriends each year to mix things up, to make things more entertaining for the show, to talk about more guys, but we can keep one holdover. And I chose Soto, who's also doing well, but Tatis Jr. is... I let him go. That's sad. Did you see that Juan Soto had cutouts of his family put in left field where he plays for his for his first game back and they're still up there? Yes. And he hit a home run to them. It's he hit that a home run so to sweet. his family. Yeah. Who knows how well he would be doing if he got to play from the start? Like Right? Right. Yeah. Quick rundown on a couple more boyfriends. Um, the first one's very serious. So my Pirates boyfriend, Gregory Polanco, collided with his teammate, Phil Evans, while they were oh, both no. going for a foul ball. And it was bad. So Polanco went for the ball. And I think his elbow whacked Evans in the face. Phil Evans dropped to the ground, lost consciousness briefly, fractured his jaw. Oh, my God. Has the concussion and other like face and uh, facial injuries. Like bad shape. He's up and around and he's going to make a full recovery, but it was scary as all get out. I mean, like, you know, it was already a quiet ballpark with no fans, but apparently everything was just like you could hear a pin drop because it was so freaking scary. They came out with a, you know, the stabilizer and, and, and that took him on the gurney and the whole thing. Um, so he's going to be out for the season. So he would be on like the 45 day IL, but that means it. That's it for the season for him. But apparently he's been up and around. But what was really cool was that the article, last article I read about it said that the Pirates GM was on the phone to his mom and like they were really like taking ah. care of everybody like around it to make sure everybody knew what was happening, which was cool. 
Moving on, Shohei Otani, right? He had an arm injury, is can't pitch for the rest of the season. He's calling it elbow inflammation. It has a much longer, more scientific fleshing, but he can still DH. And his first plate appearance back from this injury, he was the DH and he hit a monster of a home run. So I think Otani is going to be okay. Um, my my new once and forever boyfriend, Christian Yelich, had a very slow start, but then he had some boyfriend on boyfriend um altercations and uh, playing the white Sox, so he hits he hits to um left field where white Sox boyfriend eloy jimenez is playing it the the ball drives eloy jimenez into the netting where he gets tangled up now the oh, no. ball landed in fair territory bounced up and over and hit the netting and came back in and apparently in the white Sox ballpark it still it stays a fair ball if the netting wasn't there, it would have bounced out and it would have been a ground rule double. But the netting kept it in. Eloy Jimenez couldn't get to it because he was tangled up like, you know, a Spider-Man who needs more practice or something <laughs> and couldn't get out. And so it was ended up being an inside the park home run, which I think is just wow. weird. And I don't know how to feel about it because they're both my boyfriends. Um, your boyfriend your, um, of previous years, Joey Votto, was referred to as Salty by a, re- a recent sportscaster because, again, with no fans, we can hear what they say. And apparently, even when he hits a foul ball, he drops F-bombs. Hey, and that's I so perfect for my boyfriend. That, that's I thought you would perfect. like that. Last boyfriend update is um, Tim LoCastro is my D-backs boyfriend. He is, this year, the fastest in MLB, followed by Trey Turner and then my former boyfriend, Byron Buxton, who's having a hell of a year this year, at um, 30.8 feet per second. I like him fast, potty mouth. Yeah, and actually Turner was mine, although, you know, I'm kind of wishy-washy on him now, but I did have Turner as a boyfriend. We like the fast guys, right? We do indeed. We have another special guest for you on No Crying in Baseball today. We have somebody in Taiwan. We have Clive Shu, who is one of the CPBL English language broadcasters that I have been listening to quite a bit and been talking about on this show. And so we're really happy to have Clive with us today to talk about the CPBL. Welcome, Clive. Yes, thank you so much for this opportunity to share a bit about, about our love for baseball. Oh, so happy to have you. We um, we start all of our interviews with the same question, so we're mm-hmm. going to hit you with this. What's your personal connection to baseball? Oh, personal connection, you have to go back to my uh, sixth birthday when I went to, my dad piled a bunch of me and my friends into our station wagon, our Volvo station wagon, and uh, we went to a Astros, Astros-Dodgers game. Uh, for my sixth birthday at the Astrodome. And since then, I've just been uh, falling in love with baseball. It was then to, to Little League, uh, you know, and then to um, – I played that when I was uh, – I was born in Texas, so I played that when we, were in, when we were in Houston. Then in Hong Kong, we moved to Hong Kong. I joined a Little League there. Um, when I was 10, we moved to Taiwan. And Taiwan baseball, you know, the level is, was just too high. And, and usually there's no little league system. All the, all the uh, little league baseball is played through the local schools. So since I wasn't at a local school, I couldn't play there. But just, uh, you know, I was here when the CPBL started um, its first year. And so I would, I would beg my uncles, take me a game, take me a game. So we would, go to, we would go to 10, 15 games a year maybe. And back then, you know, the stadiums look nice now, but back then, uh, the games were at one o'clock in the afternoon and 90% humidity, hundred degree oh, wow. weather. And then on concrete slabs, it was just concrete, you know, stairs slabs that we sat on. So we were just baking, oh, roasting and cooking out there. You um, had to really want to be there. Oh, you had to really want to be there. But the stadiums were packed. 10,000 people. The fans were crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then, so, up to that, um, it was my first job out of uh, college. I was an interpreter for Chin Feng Chen, who, who played for the uh, Dodgers minor league system back then. And then um, when I moved back to Taiwan, um, just continued watching baseball, got involved with the, the baseball association here, did some interpreting. Um, through that, made some friends uh, in the baseball world. And one thing led to another. And um, all of a sudden, I was talking about getting, getting paid to talk about baseball. <laughs> It's a dream. Yeah, it was. It's definitely a dream thing. 
And we are very appreciative that you're doing that. And I am super, super appreciative because you recently had a giveaway, which we won. Like I'm still sort of shaking about it. The ball's right here next to me that you did this Lin & Co giveaway. And it just felt super cosmic because we started like seriously following CPBL this season, really on our podcast. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like the rest of the world when it was the only game in town, Everybody was watching, but yeah. I've kept watching very faithfully. And Lin Anko has been my guy from the get-go, from when <laughs> I didn't know anything about him until right now, him being the home run leader. And when you put out that giveaway for his ball, I thought, there is no way I'm actually going to get this, but I have to throw my hat in the ring because this is my guy. This is sort yeah. of like fate. And when I finally got it, I, yeah, Patty heard me probably scream, we were talking about it. Actually, we recorded with Michael Barra, and I know you're going to yeah. record with him soon. So I figured yeah. this is kind of like an intro thing to your interview with him on Baseball World soon. But that's when I sort of exploded with, oh, I got this ball. So how did that contest come into being? Like, how did how did I end up with this Lin Anko ball? So it's, it's mostly just kind of what I've seen and what I've um, experienced, what I've seen in the U.S., what people do. And I was just trying to, because the, the, like you said, when it first started, there was 800,000, 900,000 viewers uh, throughout the course ah. of a broadcast, you know, and now it's kind of weighing down to a couple thousand, I would say. And so uh, when I, my first practice, I was just thought, like, what could I do to kind of generate some interest? And then, so I thought about, at first I just wanted to give away some stuff like uh, hats, t-shirts. And so I approached the, uh, the broadcast, the television company, and they're like, mm we don't really do that kind of thing here. And I was like, <laughs> but you know, you want to generate interest. So it was met with some resistance from them. But I was like, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. I was, I'm just going to do it anyways. And then, so um, the guy I do the broadcast with my partner, Jason, he, he's a professor at a local sports university here. So he has tons of connections and he has students that work at the game. He has players that he helps in the off season. And so they just got a lean on and actually a Josh Renicky autograph baseball. So we, Ooh. we actually had that. Yeah, we had that ball in our hands for a while because we just the first time I was broadcasting, I was like, I'm going to I'm going to keep a scorecard. I'm going to look up stats. I'm going to do I'm gonna do this Twitter stuff. I'm going to do all this stuff. And I did none of it. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> oh, at the same time. I was like, what? It's already 30 seconds into the, before we have to go on air. I was like, I could not do anything besides just watch the game and basically talk about it. So we had sat there for a while and then about a month into it when I was more comfortable uh, I said, okay, Jason, let's do this again. And then so we did it. And then um, I basically picked loyal, faithful fans such as yourself. <laughs> that is us. We have been there with the Lions, or uh, I have been there with the Lions especially. Yeah. We've been there with the CPVL, but I'm yeah. like diehard Lions. I got to yeah. ask what happened to the Renicky ball. The Jason still has the Renicky ball. He's on a camping trip. <gasps> so we might, try, we might still try and get that. He's injured. Uh, Renicky is injured right now. So we hope he gets he? better, but yeah. Wait, when did that happen? His last start, he finished the fifth inning and then he came out to warm up for the sixth and he felt some elbow discomfort. So he's he's getting an MRI oh, and no. uh, waiting the results of that, yeah. Oh, I'm super concerned because the Lions were, I mean, they're in first place yeah. now. And I got to say that because like, I don't know how long it's going to last, but that's <laughs> yeah. super exciting. And just talking about like, you know, Lin Anko was my guy, but Renicky yeah. was the reason why I picked the Lions was because okay. I had the Renicky connection from his uncle being the Red Sox manager. And yeah. so like, yay, that's so cool that those were the two yeah. balls. And right, it looks I'm to me like Potty Mouth is trying to win a second contest, but I think you're ineligible. <laughs> I, can't do it. I, know, I don't think I know. you can enter the second I one. I don't think you can once that you've won. Uh, so, so Clive, so so you are a high school guidance counselor. It sounds like your partner yeah. is, uh, you know, is a is a teacher, a professor. Yeah. Also, how how do you cut from like the world of education to calling ball games and? Yeah. And and the, and how do you like? How do you prepare? How do you like know what you're supposed to do other than just having watched games all your life? Yeah, well, it probably could only happen in something like this. Could probably only happen in Taiwan. We moved back in 2010, and then in 2015, uh, the WBSC, the World Baseball Softball Confederation, they were um, getting ready to host the first Premier 12, the baseball tournament, top 12 ranked countries in the world, and it just happened to be hosted in Taiwan. So they, they had banners on the streets and everything. So I would drive by and I would see and I was like, man, wouldn't that be cool if I, if I could interpret or get somehow get involved? 
So I called the, I just called this Chinese uh, Taipei uh, Baseball Association, the number they have listed on the website. I called, they're like, okay, I'll leave your number and we'll get back to you. I'm like, okay, yeah, right. <laughs> so you're going to get back to <laughs> you me. You say that to all the high school guidance counselors. <laughs> <laughs> and then so sure enough, three weeks later, um, they called me, but it wasn't for the Premier 12. There's another U12, under, 12 and under uh, World Baseball Championships. They say, why don't you try that first? And then um, we'll see how that goes. So no interview, uh, no resume, no background check. And they had me, wow. they had me with a, a group of 12-year-old boys. I mean, they didn't, they didn't check my, nothing. And I'm like, wow. only in Taiwan. <laughs> only in Taiwan. <laughs> so that first, that first tournament in July to, into August, I translated for Brazil. They, they couldn't find a Portuguese interpreter. So they're like, okay, we'll just give them Clive, the English guy. And then, so from then on, later Whoa. that year, yeah, later in that year wow. in November, uh, was the Premier 12. And um, I was fortunate enough to get the US team. Uh, Willie Randolph was the manager then. And then, so that was, that was an absolute bl- a blast. And on that team was Zach Segovia, who um, he was played uh, briefly for the Phillies, but he's journeyman, been all over. And he happened to come back to Taiwan to play for this, the, the Monkeys the following season in March. And so because I had met in the previous November, we just stayed in touch. We became really good friends. Um, and then uh, he knew about this uh, website, CPBL English. CPBL Stats is the main one right now, but there used to be a CPBL English. Started very much like fans like yourself. Um, so he said, do you want to like help them out? Do recaps. Uh, if there's any articles, anything that piques your interest, you can go do interviews and that kind of stuff. So I started with them. I did that for about two years. But as you guys probably know, it just kind of sucks all your free time because I would get so <laughs> yes. into it. I would watch the games. I'd have the recap half written. And then somebody, somebody hit a home run. I'm like, oh, man, I got to change it. Yep. So, <laughs> you know, so I was staying up to 11, 1130 and I'd trying to do these recaps. And eventually I was the two guys that started it. They left. They went to Canada and they said, here, Clive, you can keep it going if you want. So I tried for a while. And then eventually I was like, I can't keep doing this. So I shut I was going to shut it down. And then that's when Jason contacted me from the um from the university and he said me and a group of students we'd like to continue it and carry it on so i met with them and then they tried to carry it on for a while but they're college students you know they're busy uh, so they didn't really carry it on as well but i kept in touch with jason the whole time and then uh jason uh one evening thursday evening i remember very clearly thursday evening he called me and said clive you want to go do one of these uh broadcasts with me i was like Yes, heck yes. But let, <laughs> yeah, me check, no let, let, let me check with my boss first, my wife. <laughs> yeah, I'll, get, good plan. I'll, I'll get back to you. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of how it, how it started. Wow. wow. Well, the, the English broadcast sort of seem. I mean, we've been trying to figure it out as viewers. It's kind of yeah. a combination of different broadcasters for different teams. And yeah. because I just kind of watch whatever game's going on, yeah. it's hard for me to, to piece out which broadcasters are which teams and who's the commentator and who's the play-by-play yeah. guy. What's the current sort of status now? Like how, how often are you calling and are yeah. you Lions games or you do more and more than Lions? So the only <clears throat> the only sure thing you can count on is Richard Wong. He does all of the monkeys. <laughs> home, yeah, he does all of the monkeys yep. home home games. Him and Wayne okay. McNeil were kind of the two original guys. But the the eleven sports they do the monkeys and the lions home games, um, all of their games. Originally they were going to do all of them, and then um, the uh, <clears throat> the guardians, their Momo TV, who is their sponsor, mm-hmm. and then the brothers, they are um, Elta TV. So each each team kind of had their own name, but there's no, we don't, it's not like the U S where a, a pair of broadcasters follows the team everywhere. Um, it's kind of a mix and match. Richard will work with five different guys during the, during the week, five different games. So me and Jason, we originally were assigned to all of the lions versus the guardians home games in time. Oh, okay. <laughs> so our first, like my first six, seven games, it was lions versus guardians, lions versus guardians. <laughs> But you get really good at knowing the players very well. Then. Yes, it, that helps a lot. That helps a lot. You get to know them. You feel comfortable in this in around the field, finding players. Uh, you get to start to people start to recognize you a little bit. But there's no real rhyme or reason to the way they do it. Um, as you can see, the Thursday evening it was for the next day, Friday. So the next day, I went I went down to Tainan. Um, other than Richard, he's the he's the constant. Other than that, um, there's a lady at Eleven Sports that hey, can you do this game? It's usually. 
I say, you got to give me like, I, I have five kids. You got to give me some leeway, some oh, extra wow. time. So usually she'll give me a week or two advance notice. And so I've done about probably a dozen games since uh, beginning of May. It's funny that you bring up Richard. I mean, I, I adore Richard because also yeah. he's a Red Sox fan and spent time in yep. Boston. I yep, totally appreciate the fact that's that correct. he brings up the Red Sox all the time. I yep. love it. But I, I think I heard the first game that you were with him where uh -huh. you tried to get him to sing with oh. you. for, And, and I want to say thank you because you've been singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game in the seventh yeah. inning stretch, which yeah. should be the seventh inning stretch. And in Taiwan, there's a break after the fifth inning, which is yeah. actually, depending on the ballpark, much more entertaining in some ways than Take Me Out to the Ball Game. But Patty and I have a super soft spot for Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Like <laughs> for Patty, it's like, you must sing. No matter yeah. where you are, you sing and you. you sing. This is I'm compulsory. <laughs> so I have learned that. And so Clive, when you started doing that, I thought, oh, this is Patty's guy. This is like, <laughs> this is great. And then I heard you try to get Richard to do it. And he He's like, he was just like, no, no, I'm not yeah. singing. And Richard, so do, is there any hope for that? Yeah. Richard, Richard's an interesting guy. He, he's very, he's kind of stoic. So you're not quite sure if he likes you or not until like, <laughs> until like, he'll like, I'll, I'll finish my water and he'll grab me another one. He'll offer it to me. He's like, oh, okay, good. I'm on his good side. You know? <laughs> That's so cute. He, it's the, the little things. Out, yeah, yeah. The way I found out was one night before the game, there was um, they were playing they were playing music on the on the loudspeaker, and every time they would hit a certain note, the 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 speaker system would buzz and it would go off. And he was like, "Oh, every time it hits an F, it's the the speaker's not working." I was like, "What? <laughs> what are you wow. just doing?" He's like, "Every time it hits an F." So from there, he I learned he has perfect pitch. He almost became a music piano major. He's like this architect guy. He has all these like hidden skills. And I was like, dude, come on. You got it. You have to sing with me. Seventh inning stretch, please. He's like, nope, nope. But you know, the very next inning, he's like in there dancing. He's singing along with, with whatever's going on during the commercial. The commercials. like, next time I'm going to tape it. And I, 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 I will find a way. <laughs> I'll, I'll that is so funny. Yeah, I will keep asking him, but... The, the next time it. that you're paired up with him and this uh -huh. comes up, please hit us up on Twitter because okay. we can get our friends to harass him. Oh, like if please. we get infield fly girl on this, like you're uh, yeah. harass. you please. mean encourage. Oh, that's it. Encourage. That's a lovingly, yeah. lovingly encourage him. <laughs> we'll use, we'll use whatever means necessary for Richard. Yes. <laughs> whatever means I mean, necessary. You can't let perfect pitch go to waste. That's just no. the wrongest thing. Right. No. It would totally right. be one thing if he couldn't do it, but maybe I'll bring maybe I'll bring a piano, like a keyboard in there. I said, okay, you don't want to sing, play the keyboard, and I'll I'll sing. Yes. That's right. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So speaking of your your on air presence, I would like yeah. you to demonstrate your home run call for our oh, listeners yeah. and and explain it because it cracks me up. <laughs> well. There's, there, I've been toying around with a couple of several and then the oh, okay. one, so I'm behind. One, thing, one thing I always say is bye-bye. See you. And that's, I don't know if you guys know Mitch Lively. He, uh, he plays for the, yeah. so yep. um, he, one year he was on the team on the brothers with Zach Segovia. <clears throat> so that's how I got to know him. And um, he, he just always thought it was hilarious how people in Taiwan, when they, when they say bye, they always go bye-bye. See you. Bye-bye. See you. <laughs> bye-bye. See you. So, so it was a running joke between us. Whenever we go bye-bye. See you. So I was like, perfect I'll, I'll use that <laughs> but usually I'll, I'll just um the ball's hit like whoa that ball is tattooed by Lina and out to right field bye bye see you drop your socks and grab your crocs folks that ball is on vacation <laughs> so that, that's the part where I will always lose it because like are crocs like a thing in Taiwan like or or where did am, the Crocs come from? I am 99% sure nobody in Taiwan understands how home run call. <laughs> so it's really just for us. <laughs> oh, well, you, you're going to love this. But one, one broadcast when I was first doing it, I accidentally said, drop your cocks and grab your yes. socks. Oh, no. <laughs> I, was like, I caught myself mid-sentence. I was like, oh, crap. I hope nobody so, heard that. I was like, drop, yes, dro we drop did. your cocks. I, I mean... Your Crocs and grab your socks. 
So I have to say, as oh. the potty mouth of this of this broadcast, that I was actually about to bring that up because I heard that one oh. and I thought, did he really say that, or did it yeah. just sort of sound that way? And it's just my oh, potty mouth yeah, brain kicking in. But ever since then, yeah, that's been kind of well, kind of a running joke. Like, yeah, well that's done. Kind of like, that's kind of the fun thing about broadcast here is like you're not you can you have more like in the U.S. I probably would have been gone. Um, even though it was an accident, <laughs> but here, like, um, I'll just that's that's a scene from Iron Man two, the the movie, the Marvel movie. Uh, towards uh-huh. the end of the movie, there, him and um, Iron Man, he's he's fighting the hammer drones, and so there's one scene they kind of fly through the fly by this little uh, man made pond at the at the exhibit there, and he's like, "Drop your socks and grab your Crocs. This this ride's about to get wet." And I heard that, and I was like, "Oh man, I could I could use that in baseball." So. It's kind of like whatever I hear, I try to I try to add into and add into the broadcast, just make it make it more fun. <laughs> oh wow, Patty, I, I'm surprised. I've lost all my Marvel cred by not remembering that. Oh <laughs> That's man, what I was about to say. Yes. like I thought that you would yeah. pick up on that of all yeah. people. You go Google, yeah. go Google it on YouTube, and the scene the scene will come right out. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So I don't know if you've been watching MLB games, but like, you know, with no yeah. fans in the stands, you hear everybody dropping oh, yeah. F-bombs and whatnot right and left. And yeah. I haven't seen anything about anybody getting, uh, you know, any um, consequences or or fines or like no FTC fines yeah. or anything. So I'm not sure what's happening there. It's like potty mouth has taken over the world. I'm okay with it, really. But yeah. yeah, it's it's kind of like a a delicate matter because if they if they start finding people for everything then you know the whole season will be full of fines <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> right. so do you yeah, it's do tough. you have a do you have a favorite mlb team that you follow yeah naturally i follow the dodgers uh, that's who i i worked for first uh, when i came out my ra in college he he was he became the he's he's now scott akasaki he's he's the uh t- travel secretary for the team so when he graduated, he knew I was from Taiwan. So he asked, hey, you want to come do this for Chen Feng Chen, the guy that we have? So naturally, I follow him. Naturally, I follow the Orioles for after living there for 10 years. Um, and then right after I left, unfortunately, uh, Chen Wei-in, he went, and, he went and pitched for the Orioles for a little bit, had his best years there. But when I was in, with the Ori- uh, when I was in Baltimore, uh, Chen Ming Wong was with the Yankees. And so whenever he would come, I would go uh, watch those games. But those are probably the two main teams that, that I would root for. In, in the in the U.S. Well, I'm all for that, and I just you know had to lead with our show this week by saying the Orioles are at 500, which is like a big deal right now. So I'm pretty excited about that, right? <laughs> and my yeah. one and only child is named Camden for Camden Yards. So oh, wow! There you have it. Wow. Yep. Yep. Nice. There you have it. You and Richard could have an ALE SmackDown in the booth there between That's the Red Sox right. and the Orioles. He, he would win. He would he win could. that one. Yeah. Yeah. So what about CPBL? What, what's, who's your team? Do you have a team or are you not allowed to say that you have a team because you're a broadcaster? Um, oh no, I, I root for the brothers. I'm good friends with Mitch. Uh, so I kind of root for the brothers, but there's kind of individual guys that I root for like, like Renicky, whenever he pitches, um, I root for him, but I, I, I kind of naturally have a tendency, tendency to just kind of root for the underdog. Um, so, you know, go lions. I'm, I'm cheering for when I've, and I've done so many lions games, you, you know, you get to know the guys, you, you see them play. And so you, you naturally start to um, have more of a personal connection to them. And so you, you, you root for them, too. Could I, could I have you do a quick prediction for the second half? Who do you think is going to take it? I think the, the Monkees will win the second oh, half. Oh, no, that's Patty's team. And then, and <laughs> Look then at we'll, Patty doing her victory dance we'll, over there. We'll have a, we'll a Monkees uh, Brothers uh, Taiwan series. You don't think it might go to the so what I'm thinking, I'm, I'm gonna try to influence <laughs> she goes. I'm thinking that the Lions are gonna take the second half, but that the monkeys are gonna have the most wins, right? So it's gonna uh-huh. go to that wild card situation, Lions against monkeys before yeah. it goes to brothers. Do I have yeah. a chance with that prediction? I think uh you can keep dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. This comes from the broadcaster uh, covering the so Lions. The Lions All have right. they have I mean, Renicky's out, so they're down to um, Brock, Brock Dixhorn. Uh, Tim Melville's out of, right. he's out of quarantine, but he he hasn't, he's still, you know, ramping his arm up. And then they have uh, Teddy uh, Stankovic, uh, who's still in quarantine. So if those guys <clears throat> can cope with the humidity, cope with the craziness of the league, the Lions, I think they could do it. It's just a matter of, <clears throat> I think, those three young guys, uh, Lin Anke, Su Zijian, the outfield, and Chen Jie Xian, the center fielder. 
Mm -hmm. um, if they can really take that step forward in the middle of the season and not just um, hit, but also lead. Um, Cause there's definitely a changing of the guards on changing of the guard on that Lions team. The, the older guys, Gao Guoqing, Pan Wuxiong, uh, you know, the pitcher Pan Weilun, they're all nearing 40 or over 40. And so these young guys, they can carry it, but it's just, I think the more the mental side of the game, if they can, if they can shoulder that load. I just want to say that Melville did try stinky tofu. Did you see that? Yeah, video? I, saw, I saw that. So kudos, kudos I, I, I figured <laughs> that's like, that's saying something. Yeah. I think they have a chance, but over the course of 60 games in the half season, it's, it's tough to outslug that, that monkey's lineup every game. Um, and they have Carpenter who's been pretty consistent for them. They have um, Bonilla. Um, so yeah. I think, I think the monkeys eventually they'll, they'll pull it out. I would be okay with that because I did absolutely no research whatsoever. Potty mouth said, who's your team? And I said, uh, monkeys and it's turning out. Okay. <laughs> so, I totally put her put on, me on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> They probably do the best jobs in terms of the home team, <clears throat> home stadium environment, uh, making things. It's, it's kind of like a, it's almost like a rock concert the whole time. Um, there's just music blaring all the time. You got that, that, um, that's the spaceship that goes up. Um, Love the spaceship. <laughs> yeah. They have, they have like smoke coming out, fireworks. They have the disco lights kind of. And so they, they do a really good job of keeping their home fans entertained and keep coming. They'll keep coming out. So, okay, we've got this pandemic thing, which has got us all staying at home, watching baseball in countries yeah. we've never watched baseball in before, if and when that ever ends. <laughs> and do you <laughs> think that the CPPL, CPBL will still continue with English language coverage? Is this a, a thing that's going to stick? Like you've already said, you know, the viewership's gone down now that MLB has started up. What, I mean, those of us who are in it are in it, but I don't, are there enough of us to keep you guys going? Yeah, well, I was, you, I'm sure you guys know the Guardians have already only gone to weekends and the brothers have yeah. gone to weekends. So <clears throat> I think that's a sign of things to come. I don't see them continuing it. It's purely a financial uh, money decision. They have the they have the money, to, I think, to do it. Um, but I don't think it'll go on beyond this past this this season because it was just a very unique kind of silver lining in, in the in the midst of all of this craziness with COVID that um, they started offering these uh broadcast in English, but I don't, I don't see it continuing past this, this oh. year, unfortunately. Yeah. That makes me so sad because yeah. I love breakfast baseball. It's just such a cool concept to get up in the morning, have your coffee, yep. watch some baseball, even yeah. if it's a few innings. And yep. CPBL is just so entertaining. <laughs> so as, as we wrap up a little bit, we've been plugging CPBL regularly yeah. on the broadcast here because we've been enjoying it so much. But um, in case there's still some listeners out there who haven't checked it out, what is your most convincing argument to start watching besides the fact that like, please keep potty mouse breakfast baseball <laughs> before she goes crazy next year? Well, I think short of actually coming to Taiwan and ex actually experiencing the culture, the one baseball game, is a very good snapshot of Taiwanese culture. If you're if you're a student of the game and you are a fan of the game, like I'll sit down, I'll turn on the TV. If there's like a little league game between two uh, teams that you know, I'll, I'll sit down and watch it because I just love watching baseball. So if you're one of those fans, you have to check out a CPBL game because you have the mascots, you have the dancing, you have the singing, you have the music, you have uh, lots of drama. That, uh, a game is never really over until it's until it's over. Anything, literally, yeah. anything can happen. Anything so can true. happen. Uh, Those crazy comebacks. Oh, we're only down by ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so a lot of good stuff, but you'll see some crazy errors. You'll see some little league home runs constantly all the time. <laughs> yep. So I'm saying, like, if you if there's the and the the food um, that they introduce, the way that fans cheer, the way that they interact. The MVP dances, I'm sure you guys love that. So. Oh, I love those. That yeah. is, I, I hate it when we lose when it's an away game because I'm like, oh, I want, yeah. you know. <clears throat> yeah, they only do it for Or when we team. win, rather, when it's an away game because I want to yeah. see the MVP dance. Yeah, and, and you know, you never know. You could you could win a Linanka baseball, autograph baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's just, it's, a, it's just a really fun cultural experience. You get a really good taste of Taiwan. Man, when we can travel again, watch out. We might come knocking please, at your door. Please, you let me know. I will I'll take you to a game, no problem at all. <laughs> Although first we're going to ask for like a weather recommendation because like it does look really rough <laughs> during oh. the, the height of baseball season. It is, so it you is gotta, so hot. 
It's so hot. You're just constantly sweating, constantly. <laughs> Clive, it's been super fun talking with yes. you and learning yes. so much more about baseball in Taiwan and English broadcasts and how you can make your dreams come true to get, you know, to talk about baseball for, for a living. Yeah. So thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again to Clive Shu. That was a blast talking to him about CPBL. And I am looking forward to following the rest of the season. That is what I'm going to be doing this week. I'm going to be watching much more CPBL and rooting on those lions to hang on to first place. Please let that still be true when this podcast drops. Monkeys, monkeys. So I have a new project for this week. I have so far identified two officially dead people among cardboard cutouts in stands of baseball games and there oh, must be no. more so you probably saw the weekend at bernie's bernie who's in the stands in kansas city i did, did not see? that is yes. awesome someone made That's a cutout brilliant. of bernie right and then i was watching a phillies game or, or a condensed game like highlights from a phillies game someone's got ben franklin in the stands so That's I'm so thinking perfect. that more parks have done it. So please, everybody, keep your eye out for dead people in stands and uh, let us know what you find because I bet people are doing that. that um, in the meantime, fine. while you're watching your breakfast baseball and watching your MLB baseball while we still have it, um, please feel free to listen to some past episodes and uh, tell your friends about us if they'd like to hear us talk about baseball and follow us on social media. Talk to us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast or Facebook and Instagram at No Crying and B-Ball or check out our webpage at NoCryingAndBball.com. And until next time, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth.